How's it going, everybody? This is Andy McCullough from The Athletic here with Mark Carrig. Also from The Athletic, you are listening to Beyond the Scrum, a show about baseball. Mark, how's it going, man? Going okay, Andy. How are you? I'm okay. I am okay. We're here in late January. Uh, it's the first show we've done in a little while. We're going to talk to our mutual pal and athletic colleague and also the president of the BBWAA, Trent Rosecrans. I guess see Trent Rosecrans, whatever. He's still got his you know, affectation. Uh, Trent, as we all call him, uh, will be on the show. There's also some construction going on next door, so I apologize if you hear hammering or drilling. Um, but we're going to talk to Trent about some of the uh, you know, the ins and outs of the Hall of Fame voting process, which I think uh, you two are both familiar with, and I'm uh, an abstainer, so it should be an interesting discussion. Um, before, before we get there, though, um, you know, at the outset, you know, we wanted to talk briefly because um, I'm not sure either of us has a ton more to have that hasn't already been said by some of our colleagues like Bricciaroli and uh, Ken Rosenthal about the Mets firing Jared Porter. Um, as if you're listening to this, as you probably know by now, on um, on Monday evening, ESPN published a story outlining a series of unsolicited, unwanted messages that Porter sent to a female foreign correspondent uh, in the summer of 2016. The messages lasted for weeks without a response for the woman um, before culminating in Porter sending a picture of a penis. Uh, new owner Steve Cohen once uh, alerted to the story uh, fired Porter the next morning. Um, my opinion's not unique. Uh, you know, the behavior is abhorrent, menacing, and disqualifying for someone attempting to lead a department in any professional setting. Um, you know, it's disqualifying in, in more or less every walk of life. Um, there's only 30 GM spots in baseball, and the sport must maintain a certain standard of conduct. Uh, this sort of behavior obviously violates that standard. Again, this is not a unique opinion. Um, a more probing question, one which I'm not sure the answer, to be honest, and I, and I haven't, I'm not sure anyone knows exactly the answer, uh, you know, to, to, to solve this issue sort of totally, is, is what the Mets could have done in the interview process to either uncover this incident or at the very, at least have some sense of its possibility. You know, Sandy Alderson, the team president, revealed on Tuesday that while the Mets received rave references about Porter, um, who had previously worked in with the Cubs, uh, the Arizona Diamondbacks, and the Boston Red Sox, um, during their sort of background check or references, the team spoke to no women during the process. Um, Alderson chalked this up to a lack of women in leadership positions in baseball. Um, he's not wrong. Kim Ang became the first female general manager uh, this winter, um, and she is, again, alone in that distinction among her counterparts. Um, however, there are plenty of women who do work in baseball, um, both in the four teams or uh, on the media side, uh, and these there include women who have worked with or interacted with Porter. Uh, you know, I think we can all agree that Alderson and the Mets should have made an effort to speak with those women. Uh, all teams, when vetting candidates, even if none of those candidates are women, should try to speak with women who have interacted with those candidates. Sort of, you know, how you get the measure of a person is by taking a uh, diverse array of colleagues or you know employers who uh, they've interacted with. Um, you know, but but even that, as our as our colleague Lindsay Adler pointed out yesterday, to to, to me, I, I agree with this. It places an undue burden on women. You know, speaking in general about the necessity of sort of diversifying the workplace in baseball, she wrote, you know, really don't like that hiring women is a way to keep men in line. I don't want to be responsible for making anyone change their behavior. All that does is send us into a trap to be resented. I just want to do my damn job, which I, you know, fundamentally support and which to me dovetails with what Sandy Alderson also said, which 
is about this being an issue not limited to baseball. It's something that American society has only just recently, unfortunately, in the past few years, really begun grappling with. And uh, it's something that's going to continue to be dealt with in the coming years. And I, I'm just curious, Mark, like how you've processed these last couple days and, and, and you know, your assessment of the situation. I'll say this. Uh, you, know, you said at the beginning, what more is there to say about it? The behavior is terrible. Uh, he shouldn't be leading anything. You know, he shouldn't be leading a Dairy Queen. He shouldn't be leading a Major League Baseball team. He was fired, and, and this was all the right call. What he did was terrible. I think there's a couple of elements to this I find worthy of a little more inspection. I, I think one thing that stood out to me is, like, let's remember the owner of the New York Mets is Steve Cohen. Steve Cohen has um, a, a checkered past in his other professional life as, as a, a financier. Um, so, you know, and I think one of those issues was a gender discrimination mm-hmm. suit yes. that, that obviously got a lot of attention. So ESPN runs its story on Jared Porter at 11.05 p.m. And by the way, it's worth noting, I thought that was tremendous reporting, just, you know, the kind of journalism yes. people should be doing, okay? Wonderful work of by credit media for Yes, wonderful. <laughs> So, um, you know, that, the story hits at 11.05. At 11.06, Jared Porter's usefulness to Steve Cohen was one thing, which is, you know, the, uh, I hate to use this like comparison, but, you know, that's the uh, public execution. You know, like it's not only are you going to have to fire this guy because it's the right thing to do, but you know what, given sort of uh, his legacy uh, that he's trying to rebuild here, by buying the team, you need to make a big show of it. And you know what? Firing somebody via Twitter at 7.55 in the morning before people have even finished eating their cornflakes, that is a way to sort of do it, right? It, it, all of a sudden, this story is now, oh, man, uh, they took swift action, you know, as opposed to like the four-day ordeal it would have been in a previous regime right. where they were sitting there hand-wringing and figuring out what to do when it was very obvious what to do. No, Steve Cohen did it at 7.55 in the morning, not even like a full overnight shift mm-hmm. from start to finish before the story ran and before there was action taken. So I think from that standpoint, it is interesting. Steve Cohen didn't buy the Mets for $3 billion or whatever to just buy a baseball team. He, he was buying a new legacy uh, he was buying a new first line in his obit, okay? Because now instead of Steve Cohen, disgraced financier, it's Steve Cohen, owner of the New York Mets. And you know what? That's something, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, the other thing, the bigger point that I take away from this is actually kind of dovetails with what we're going to talk about with our friend Trent. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. The Hall of Fame voting requirements demand that you factor character and integrity into your evaluation. Jared Porter, and this is not an exaggeration, might have been one of the most popular people in the industry amongst his peers, amongst people that have worked for him, even amongst people that are on the other side, agents, right? Like a lot of people said a lot of good things about Jared Porter. And, you know, I don't think any of them you know, I would think that none of them really knew the full scope of this behavior, right? I would think not. So, uh, you know, so that's what, to me, I think about that a lot. Like Sandy Alderson said in his call yesterday that they heard not one negative word about this guy, not one. Yet 
this is behavior that took place four and a half years ago. Um, you know, and it's, it's, it makes you wonder, right? Like how well do you actually know people? Uh, and, and so, and I asked that in the context of we're supposed to evaluate character and integrity in the hall of fame, yet somebody capable of predatory behavior like Jared Porter got hired twice by other teams, got promoted twice. And the last promotion as one of 30 general managers, one of only 30 in Major League Baseball, therefore making him in the upper 1% of all people in the industry as far as power goes, right? He became one of the most powerful men in the sport, uh, and no one raised the peep about it. And I think that, to me, like I, when I'm talking about character and all that, mm-hmm. uh, it really raises some questions as to how reasonable an expectation actually is that of people to evaluate character and integrity. I'm with you, Mark. I'm with you. Um, I think we can leave it there. You know, there's been a lot of eloquent discussion on this, a lot of really good coverage um, at The Athletic, uh, you know, and, and elsewhere. You know, we we're joking by uh, leaving out our friend Jeff Passan. He and Mina Kimes did a tremendous job on that story. It's, you know, important work and, um, you know, it's the sort of thing, it's the sort of illuminating stuff that um, wouldn't come to light without the work of hardworking journalists and the courage of the the woman to come forward and, and share her story. So um, with that, we're going to, I guess we're going to try and have some fun talking about the Hall of Fame, but probably not. We're probably well, no, not. You're too cool for school for it. So you're just going to have to suffer through like a half hour of Trent and I nerding out about baseball. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Here's why Bobby, you're pretty long. You know. All right. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, let's talk to our pal Trent Rosecrans about the Baseball Hall of Fame. With us is the incoming president. What do you have to say for yourself? I'm just happy to be here. Um, you know, I'm, I'm glad you guys came to me to talk about George Springer today. Um, I, it's a weird choice for me to, to talk to the Reds guy about George Springer, but, um, you know, um, it's an interesting, you know, it's your podcast. You guys have made some worse decisions in your lives. I, I'm well aware. I mean, we've yeah, had so Drellick on the show. Hey, at Trent, least how times. was the peaceful transfer of power with your office there? Was there any uh, shenanigans as, as, to you ascending to your perch here as a BBWAA president? Well, I mean, it got physical, but I'm uh, a little bit larger than Sully, so uh, <laughs> it wasn't that difficult. That's good. That's good. <laughs> are you anymore <laughs> I, yeah i'm still larger I than say, i think skinny trent is still still larger than paul sullivan all right if you were smaller than zully i need to get on your weight loss plan. well you have to start cutting off limbs I mean, that's incredible hey we're gonna talk to trent uh about the uh. hall of fame because uh, a couple reasons as as we mentioned trent is the president of the bbwaa who is the voting body in charge of determining who goes into the hall of fame and also trent as you uh i, I don't know if it was december or january but you kind of were you you basically agonized over your ballot in a way that i think gave a window into how voters are really handling this um and so we can just say at the top right so uh, Mark and Trent, you're both Hall of Fame voters. And you're eligible. And you're eligible. 
I am yeah, so I am eligible. This uh, I have turned it down the last two years. I don't vote for the awards anymore. Uh, we can get into that later. No one really cares. It's not that interesting. Um, but wh- what do you guys view as the responsibility that comes with getting that ballot every year? You know, I, I just it's a it's interesting. I think there is a great responsibility. Um, it's one we take on ourselves. You know, it's it's pretty easy to abdicate it, and and maybe we should. You know. Maybe we should all be like McCullough. That's the um, worst thing you've ever said, but go on. Uh, it, no, I realized that this was coming out of my mouth and um, how bad that sounds. And maybe like it was the right thing to vote because I, I, I wrestled with voting this year. And I, honestly, like I called Mark was one of the people I called on uh, that day that I and, and, and I talked to Mark for probably a good hour. Um, just like I, I'm not sure I'm voting this year. And I'm not sure I should vote anymore. Um, it's just become, I don't know. It used to be an honor and now it's a burden to vote. And it was something I looked forward to. Like I get, I usually get the, we get the, um, the ballot in the mail and it's a paper ballot. And I love that it's a paper ballot. I know everybody loves to bag on it, that it's a paper ballot. Um, because well, everybody bags on everything. Um, but I love that it's a paper ballot and you, we usually get it in the mail right around my birthday. So around Thanksgiving, I always open it and I have this notebook. Actually, it's my notebook right here that I use every year that I write, I handwrite all my notes every year. I have these little tabs. Um, cause I love the hall of fame. I've always loved the hall of fame. I don't know why. Um, I love history. I was a history minor in college. Um, I love baseball. I'm a baseball writer. Um, so that it kind of combines the two and I've always enjoyed that process. And for so long, like I start and I spend most of December on that ballot hours here and there. And I open it when it comes in the mail every year in November, this year, it sat on my desk till after Christmas. I didn't open it. It sat with this notebook on this desk because I just didn't want to deal with it. And I, I mean, I think that that says as much as anything about how I felt about it this year. Damn, Trent, I did the same thing. <laughs> Actually, I didn't open it. I'm looking at the spot on my desk right now where that thing sat amongst my daughter's toys, a random piece of uh, duct tape. Uh, a roll of duct tape and, you know, like just a bunch of other crap. And and I, I felt the same way. I, I didn't want to just, you know, deal with it because I, I think it has gotten more difficult for lots of different reasons. Um, you know, it's I, I find it interesting <clears throat> talking about the Hall of Fame and who votes for it because I what I find is that the ones who, like in Andy's case, right, like you can if you wanted to and there's reasons that you don't. And then there are people who I think – we also understand journalistically the problematic parts of that, right? I think Trent does. I certainly do. But we vote for it anyway. And I think the dividing line in, in a lot of ways, and, and this isn't even a judgment. I just think it's interesting. It's, it's the people who grew up watching the sport, playing the sport, like really like from a very young age into the sport that were probably baseball fans before they were journalists, Right. As I think I certainly count in that. I think Trent, you do too. Whereas I know there are others who don't, right? Like, it, it, I think it colors how you view the Hall of Fame. 
I think it ends up coloring how you view what the role is, uh, you know, as far as what we do. I think, you know, to be more specific, I think it actually raises your tolerance level for what is obviously and very clearly, um, you know, a, a strange conflict of interest in a way, right? Like, I mean, I don't think anybody's, I shouldn't be trying to make any justifications of that. Like, it, it's, it is what it is. Like, you know, from a textbook standpoint, should journalists be voting on this? I, I think, you know, probably not, honestly. Like, for the sport that you're covering, probably not. Yet, traditionally, historically, that's the system that has been in place. And it's a relic of a time in which, you know, that that gray, that area between like covering a sport and then, you know, making news within the sport in a way was a lot grayer, a lot more muddled than it is now. So, and, and that's a lot of things in baseball, right? These, these traditions and norms and customs that originated in like a different, total different time. The idea of sitting and watching something for three hours, right? And unfold slowly over 162 games is of a different time. And yet, here we are, right? So I think the Hall of Fame and that whole debate fits into that bigger picture too. Um, and I think uh, the conflict about it is should be natural because if you're thinking about it, there's going to be conflict. It, it's difficult. So why do you keep doing it? It's a great question. And it's something I keep asking myself. Uh, normally it's been because I really do enjoy it. I enjoy the process. I enjoy, you know, justifying it in my head like, where do I rank these guys? Where do I do it? Looking back and learning more, you know, like, man, Bobby Abreu was really good, man. Billy Wagner was really good. And you look at these things and to learn stuff that I didn't really realize as much before. And those are two guys I didn't vote for this year that, um, maybe, maybe I would in the future, um, to really kind of go back. It's almost a kind of a mental exercise and something I, honestly enjoy um you know when i started in this business it was kind of like oh i guess it's a a kickstarter thing they call it stretch goals it was a stretch goal of mine um in this business to to get a hall of fame vote just because it symbolized something you know 10 years of covering baseball and um it was almost, it was a big part of it that like, Hey, I could do that. And I could achieve that. And I did achieve something. This, that was something that was in the back of my mind that, Oh my God, this could actually happen and was a goal to do and that I've reached it and that I can continue to do it is almost, um, a reward for that younger me. Yeah. So it's purely selfish <laughs> basically. Like it, it's a, such a great question, Andy. Why do you keep doing it? Because I think there's such again the issues with doing it are very clear, and and it's it's stupid to try to make any like justification for it. It's a conflict, okay? It's a conflict, one hundred percent. There are more reasons not to do yeah, it than absolutely. to do it. Absolutely, um, and I, I think and I'm a hundred percent clear-eyed about that, okay? But also, I I, I think. You know, I, I talked about norms and traditions that get established in different times. And in a lot of ways, you know, it's sort of the charm of this sport. There are so many things about it that just, if you were to do it today, you're just like, that makes no sense at all. None. Okay. Again, even the very basic idea of a marathon season and three-hour games. It's just like, you know, constant hand-wringing about, like, that's just so weird in this time, right? Um, and I think... 
So two is this idea that is, I think, kind of unique to this sport in, in this country. The riders are a part of it. Okay. That's not, that does not square with like our modern conception of journalism, right? We should be outside of it. Okay. We recover it. Yet there are so many ways in which that line gets blurry. This is one. So, so long as it's the responsibility of this, of the writers to do it, I'll do it. If you told me tomorrow that it is no longer the responsibility of the writers, I wouldn't fight that. I wouldn't fight it at all because I would get why. But so long as it is, I'm going to participate because it's my responsibility. And I think, you know, and that's where I made that differentiation of people that are sort of came to the sport later versus the ones who have been ingrained in it for like, you know, since they were kids. I grew up with it. I love it. Like it's a part of my life. It would be whether I was a journalist or not. Um, but that's where I come from on this. It's like, you you know, like we've had, we're, we're paid to become experts in the sport to some level, which is really remarkable when you think, right? Like you're, 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 you make a living trying to comprehend this incomprehensible thing. And I've been having so this is, this Hall is of Fame of a, arguments for 30 well, hold, years. Hold on, hold on. 35 I have, years. I, I have a personal question for, for both of you guys. And, and feel free to not answer if you don't want to. Um, what is the stipend that the Hall of Fame sends you guys in cash that makes you feel I mean, what's the stipend that you get from anyone to watch a baseball game for the hell of it? Like, I mean, it's, it's such a cynical way of looking at it, honestly. It's, like, so annoying. You know what? Bullshit. Stop. Stop. Like, I, you know what? No, I'm going to stop. No, no, no. We resolved you know, I was not going to yell and scream. That gets back to actually what I was stop. saying. No, that's, that's where I was going with this anyway. Stop pushing my buttons, Andy. Look at that. You wish you could see the smile on this guy's face right now. Like, no. Dude, what the? Ah. <laughs> Unbelievable. I can't believe <laughs> I back, well, took the bait. It's why I like, get... It's, it's, we're hey, back. You know, that gets to why I'm the BBWA oh. president. I do get a stipend. Hey, wait a minute. You know what? <laughs> yeah, it's in the Constitution. Wait, really? Read the BBWA Constitution. Uh, well, we'll, I get $2. We'll, we'll talk about that off mic. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, really? I was supposed to get $1 really? last year as a president, vice president. I ain't. Oh, I haven't you seen got it. it. You got a oh, raise. It's a bad contract, Andy. <laughs> Overpaid. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm obviously I'm I'm joking. I. I but I think I it goes back to what I was where, the, where I was actually kind of going yeah. with this is I've been having these debates for 35 years, and kind of where Mark was saying growing up in this, I know like when I was young, when I was growing up, my dad would get my goat. You know, like he would he would like egg me on, be like wait, you really think George Brett's going to get in the Hall of Fame? And, oh, it would get me going because I just knew, like, Andy <laughs> pushing Mark's buttons. My dad would push my buttons just to get me going and, and to enjoy it. And that was my thing. But, like, I've been having these discussions my whole life, and they were hypothetical when I was a kid growing up. And I had these discussions all the time growing up. I bet 100%. Mark did, too. God knows what Andy was <laughs> Probably the same shitty. The eagles. That's now, what which... the birds. That's what he discussed. Randall Cunningham. <laughs> um, my guess. Is he that old? Oh, slightly, my bad. Slightly before yeah, my time. That's we're old, true. Mark. Oh man, dated. All right, go on. Um, but like you know, that was part of it, and there is just something. In the end, it's just like it's so cool that like I went from a kid with all these other kids that we had these debates to now 
screw those kids. I get to make that decision. My, my voice actually matters. Theirs doesn't. So, you know, screw you, uh, Timmy McGovern. <laughs> um, it doesn't matter what you think. Yeah. No, it's, it does what I think. Those decisions, like that's such a great way of saying it. Like these are things that we've been doing for for thirty five years, man. Like Mr. Stubbs' art class at Crespi Junior High with you know, with Anthony Estrada talking about whether Mark McGuire is going to get there at some day or not. You know, like it's these things happen, and, and so yeah, like you know, Andy like talked about what stipend do you get? Like, and this is cheesy and corny, but like. It's an honor to do it. And, and I, I keep doing it and it matters to me because I know it matters to fans that like, you know, okay, uh, I get to vote on it because like by rule, like I was given that, right? But, you know, I know, I remember that the, all these people that I talked to about this growing up and still do, you know, like it's a I get a kick out of hearing from people I grew up with, friends from like high school or, or whatever that like reach yeah. out to you and just like, dude, what are you doing this year? What are you doing this year? You know, what do you got on shilling? What do you got on bonds? What do you got? Like, you know, that, that kind of, it's like so much fun and it's wild that like, holy crap, like there's what, 400 people that do it. You're one of them. Like it's for, for the millions of people that care about it, there's 400 and you're one of them like that. So yeah, I don't need a stipend right to feel that sense of responsibility and yes like these are two separate things the system we can argue shouldn't be this way and and i would listen and respect all of those because like i like i said if you took the vote away from writers tomorrow i wouldn't fight it that said it is what it is now and so long as it is what it is now then i i feel like that responsibility i'm going to take very seriously i i got a i got a message from a high school teammate of mine second baseman, Ted Pledger, who literally was the captain of a battleship. <laughs> like, you want to talk about a guy who has, like, real responsibilities? Like, he's the captain of a ship in the Navy. <laughs> and he was like, oh, man, that's cool what you get to do. I'm like, Ted. <laughs> yeah. It's a little bit different what you do and what I do. But it's still kind of, it is cool. I mean, it is, that is part of it. Um, and like you said, like if it was taken away, I'd understand. But I also, here's the thing. I don't think there's a better group to do it. Yeah. Not I don't think, no. Um, I, I don't think there's a Hall of Fame that does it better. I've seen some of the ballots. The ballot, it is not to get 400 perfect ballots. It is set up. For you to get 75%, it is a high bar to clear. This is not about down-ballot voting shaming, which is really fun for those who don't vote, like Andy. That's a lot of fun. Who gets your eighth-place MVP vote? This is about... Wait, 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 wait. No. No. No, 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 no. If you think that I pay attention to what anyone does on their MVP vote. Oh, I, I actually I think you think snipe. I, I think was, you will snipe at a thing. I don't think you'll actively pay attention. Oh, no, that's completely – That's no, I feel the exact opposite. And I will say this. When I saw that uh, Rick Hummel from the St. Louis Post-Dispatch had accidentally voted for – I forget who it was. Uh, yeah. I, I don't remember. I think it, it was, was like a reliever with the Cubs, you know. I was like, I wanted to advocate that 
every MVP ballot, the 10th place vote, since it's meaningless and doesn't affect anything and it's all just a waste of time because it's all just decided in the top three or four spots, the ballot should be five people long, the 10th place vote should go to the player who just brought you the most whimsy <laughs> that year. I think that would be better for ballot. But like, is is crappy so, no, like, as the worst ballot last year was the dude in Philly who was like, oh, um, I dropped everybody but Jeter because Jeter should go in alone. Which was just uh, that rocks. No, it was dude. I, it was just totally we should stupid. have a, an MWP, but, the most whimsical player, Andy. That's great. Flip it around. Screw it, man. Like just, just I don't care who's good. Give me the most whimsical, right? Everyone knows. Oh wow, who's it going to be in the American League this year? Oh, I think it's Mike Trout. Wow. Okay, great. <laughs> you know. Oh god. Uh, it so seems good. to me. It seems to me that the most challenging part of voting for the Hall of Fame at this point is trying to figure out how to uh, apply the character clause. Is that fair? Uh, you know, I had had a really good system until this year. I just ignored it um, and went solely on what was on the field. I mean, that was the easiest part. Um, this year, I excluded Kurt Schilling. Um, I've always voted. I, I think Kurt Schilling was a hall of fame player. I felt over everything that had happened over the previous year. I, again, this is talking about personal responsibility and, and taking pride into the ballot and what you do. I felt like I was going to be partially responsible for giving him a platform and what he's done with his platform over the last couple of years, I just, it, it, it became too real for me. And I decided I just didn't feel comfortable. I think he's a whole fame pl player and it just, there is a cognizant, like there is a disconnect there and it is not, I, I've been ripped for it and I should be ripped for it. But in the end, I just didn't feel comfortable giving that guy a platform and it's what, what I could feel how I could sleep at night. So yeah, it all sucks basically. Yeah. Well, you know, I think this is why Trent, I'm glad you voted because I think what the body needs is more people that take their vote that seriously that you would, you know, think about it, see it from different places. And, and I think it speaks to the point of, it's an imperfect system, but I really, I'm with you. I'm not sure if there's one that's like actually better. There might be one that's equal to that's less messy, but I don't think there's one that's necessarily better. Like, you know, there's like uh, the first thing I hear always, well, have the players do it. Well, I mean, that's, you're talking about, so you, you think that the writers grudges. have like, <laughs> agendas. Okay. Hey, like, buddy, have you seen well, the, gold the, gloves? the gold gloves? The gold gloves? I mean, the what player's choice award. The gold like, gloves or the golden gloves? The gold gloves. Golden gloves. Yeah. Like, are you shitting me? Like, if you think writers have an ax to grind. Now, what do you think about telling people that uh, competitive people that you're the upper, upper 0.1% of anyone who's ever done this? Now, you get to decide who else joins that we group. Haven't had, we, we didn't never have, have anyone get it, probably get it right. Or a living, uh, what, was, what was the years? The, the, the Veterans Committee didn't elect any living person from... For, for a long time. I don't have it right in front of me. I, I yeah. Should. I mean, like, like they'd make trout wait, you know, like that kind of stuff. Like, I mean, stop. Like this is, uh, 
let's not act as if like the, this is the, as easy the as players choice the awards that they do, do. Like, I, I mean know, we've all sorry, been in the clubhouse when they've turned those that in, way. Right? when they've done those voting where they'd be like hey hey mark yeah right 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 who was good yes. this year and they asked us anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, right. You know, okay. The the yeah the the managers happened. and coaches do the true. silver sluggers and the um the gold gloves. Did you know that Joey Votto has never won a silver slugger? Well, he played with uh with the same division as like Albert Pujols. Really? In the same league, but yeah, for many yeah. years, and then, but Freddie not Freeman. every year. No, that's 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 huh. not great. That's In later great. year. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, mm. the, and so there's many gold glove issues that we've, we've seen over the year, um, fans, you know, and Hey, maybe it is fans, but we, we talk about all-star game starting lineups all the time at the all-star game and fans are never happy with fans voting for that. Don't you think it'd be cool if you had players vote though, and that you'd get to see all the like sort of strange rivalries play out? Like that would be hilarious. Like you know how like Tony Phillips like would always joke about how Mariano Rivera sucked because he like got a hit off him or something like that. Like that'd be cool if you just <laughs> saw that every year. If some oh, it would be great. You know, like if some like really good player You'd have to broadcast it. Yeah, that'd be that'd be amazing. I would love to see like you know them debate and just you know like talk about each other in a in a uh, you know unvarnished way, and you get the sense like of how players really feel about each other. I'd rather, and I'm sure they would do that publicly. Well, <laughs> if you paid them, what if you paid them? What if there was a fee? I mean, these I guys like will this. show up to sign autographs. They won't show up to you know rip on each other for an hour. Why not? That'd be fun. Andy, Andy for commish. Hashtag Andy for commish. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be a very. We've good done worse. <laughs> most whimsical player. Uh, There's no yeah, pay for your vote. Most whimsical player. Uh, no, I no, dude. I proposed it. Like. So argument against. So Trent, like with the with the character clause, right? Like so when you when you ignore it, right, that simplifies things, right? Yeah, but when you when you start to apply it, then it feels like a, a, a very challenging intellectual exercise to have to stack up all of the various reported indiscretions of different people on the ballot. And that's without even getting into the fact that we have no real knowledge of the character of these people, right? Mark and I talked about that at the, at the top of the show. We don't know these people. You don't even know the people no. you cover, you know? Like the, like the no. people you've been around for, you, like who you've covered for 10 years. You don't know them, you know, because you only interact with them in certain scenarios. And so I just wonder how you grapple with that. That's why it's easier to ignore it. And that's why I, you know, I still, like I didn't vote for Kurt Schilling, for I guess you could say the character clause, but yet I still voted for Barry Bonds, who has had you know domestic abuse um, allegations, credible ones. Um, I still voted for Todd Helton, who's had some you know alcohol-related um, transgressions. I voted for people with questionable what we would call characters, and and what you could you could ding for character clauses. So again. Yeah, I've been what we call inconsistent and maybe hypocritical. And I know everybody loves to jump on the hypocritical, but it's also, I also think it's, uh, it's human, you know, we're flawed individuals, our thinking's flawed, and it's not always going to be consistent. And I, I, I basically did what I thought I could, I could live with. And um, I don't think there's a right answer. I think there's my answer. I ignore it. I always have, and I always will. Um, I think it's, uh, 
you know what makes me shudder is that we're we're actually asking people to define character and integrity, and the people we're asking to do it are you know just the both about the least diverse group of folks that I could could imagine in this day and age. Like if unfortunately, if you look at like if you were to do a, a, a demographic breakdown of that voting pool. You're going to tell me that that's the group of people that, that can establish whether somebody is a good character person or not with all of those inherent biases, all of it built in. Like, so that's that's the group that's supposed to tell you who's got integrity and who's got character. I, I mean, no, no. I think it's ridiculous, yeah. actually. I think it's always been ridiculous. And, you know, to believe in that fantasy is, is I think, insane. So I, I ignore it. I've said it publicly. I'll say it again. If that results in me not voting anymore, then fine, because I'm never going to invoke the character clause ever. I ignore it. I will continue to ignore it. And I don't think I invoked the character clause. I just, yeah, oh, I just didn't want to give it to that guy. Hey, Mark, I don't see your name here on the, um, I was, cause I, I wasn't sure what your ballot was and I don't see it on the, uh, I haven't released it yet. Wow. Uh, I'll Man. have a column about it next week. Can you send me a text before you do? No, Andy. I will not send you a text before I do. And then what? Check Twitter immediately. So <laughs> when when are you releasing yours? No, out of curiosity, like that's another question. Like when are you releasing yours and how do you feel about releasing? Oh, well, look, uh, I think transparency is key, right? Like I think, you know, I wrote last year. I think you know, this was about the Derek Jeter thing. If you don't think that Derek Jeter is a Hall of Famer, great. Fine. Fine. I don't care. Right? Like, you, that was your determination, and that's it. But, like, stand by it. Okay? Because this is, we're not voting for public office here. All right? So, this idea that you need anonymity is such a crock. Like, it really is. Like, if you're going to vote, put your name to it. We're literally in an industry in which transparency is a fundamental value. You're telling me that it's okay to hide what you or you know to do you know what you're voting for or, you know like if you, uh, you know like it's, it's like I don't I just don't get that at all. So I, I think everyone should release who they vote for. I think the Hall of Fame does it two weeks after, right? But like you're they leave it to mm-hmm. individual voters how they want to do it before then, right? So you know I've released mine earlier. Uh, this is just happens to be like I haven't written my column yet. You know, like I'll, I'll do it before it comes out. But like, who cares? You know, like it's gonna come out one way or the other. Um, but so last year you voted for Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, um, Kurt Schilling, Gary Sheffield, Sammy Sosa, and Larry mm-hmm. Walker. No, Derek Jeter. You were one of the guys that's who didn't vote lie. for Derek. See, Jeter. that's a lie. There was only one guy, and it wasn't me. Nice try. But like. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, if you're going to vote in this, which is a privilege, right, then I think part of that is also to be accountable for that because you don't want to – I think anonymity can be used as a way to sort of grind at somebody if you've got, like, an, you know, an agenda, all right, or some kind of, like, uh, problem with somebody. If you get to hide, you know, like, I wonder, did that person just have a problem with Derek Jeter, right? Like, I mean, I don't – you know, it didn't matter. Like he's a Hall of Famer, obviously. It didn't matter at all. But like, I just—it's also just—I don't like that idea that you could use the anonymity to sort of take a cheap shot at someone by your vote. You know, or or withholding it in this case. Maybe it was a Rod. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I hear you got good seats today. I saw him. 
Oh yeah, yeah A-Rod's yeah. at the inauguration. Yeah. That's that's wonderful. I, I figured you two would be excited about that. What, Rod? Good for him. Yeah, you guys love him. Rod. I'm Rod I'm Rod agnostic at this point. I think I was on Rod before it was cool. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Rod's on the ballot next year. Oh, is he? Oh, yeah. What's, that's a mess, huh? What's going to happen there? Well, next year's a mess because it's the last year for uh, Bonds, Clemens, Schilling, and then the first year for Rod and Ortiz. Yeah. Well, Rod's PR guy is going to you know, done such a great job. Rod might just get in first ballot, you know? Like, I mean, Rod, like, think, like, think, look at Rod's, like, trajectory in the last three years. It's, like, been remarkable, right? Three or four years. So, you know, like, why not? Heck, like, he's been, he's like America's sweetheart now, you know? He's at the inauguration for Pete's sake. It's great. I don't think A-Rod gets in. I don't either. Well, I don't either. I was joking. I don't, I don't under, yeah, I don't understand. And, the, and he I, sure won't get in from the veterans committee. Well, speaking I, of, I mean, who knows that that's so far down the, like that to me seems like a more persuadable bunch separate. Cause there's going to be, you know, 15 years or whatever before he's eligible for that. So, you know, a lot can, a lot can change with opinions then. I just, I don't foresee how bonds and Clemens don't get in under what rubric a rod would be treated differently. Like the, the the body the body of voters won't change significantly enough. I feel like over those ten years, I mean, may, I don't know, maybe maybe I don't know. Dude, maybe, it's changing but, so fast. Uh, I think that's something that's underrated in this. Like the voting lot. body has changed dramatically. It had been a pretty static group for years and years and years. Well, we should we should point out to get a to get a vote, you have to you know do the ten right. years right. right. And so there's a lot of people who. Uh, you know, of like my gen- Mark and I, we're all pretty much of the same generation. You guys both got started a couple years before I did on the beat, uh, in terms of ball at the very least. Right? Yeah. Um, and, and so there's a lot of guys who are guys and gals, I should say, who are, you know, in their early thirties who are starting to get close to getting ballots and they probably look differently at people from the steroid era than, uh, you know, people who were covering baseball mm-hmm. during that time yeah frankly. like well but oh, yeah. then the other you, know. you have to look at the other end of that too andy remember there's the rule now where if you haven't covered the sport in a certain amount of time they take the vote away from you too and that had never been the case before so like you know you would have guys that like maybe covered baseball early in their careers got a card and then moved on to another sport and covered that sport literally for decades but we're still voting on the baseball hall of fame so there, there was the a guy BWA, in our local yeah, chapter yeah. Who was a sports cartoonist for back when those were things for a newspaper, like an editorial cartoonist, but mm-hmm. for just the sports section, who had a card, who was voting until right. then. Right. So, Mark, has the uh, has the BBWAA sent you a notice on how long it's been since you had a bylaw? Okay, that's a good one to Como. That's good. Yeah. Way to get your cheap pop. Like, stop. Stop making me, like, mad. Like, I... I'm gonna stop the round. The round table hey, count, by the way, you son of a bitch. But yes, yes, trend. Mark, I think your hair Thank looks you. fantastic. Yeah, your hair. Your Thank hair you. looks tremendous. Yes. That is that's that, good drip. Yeah, yeah, I was on uh, Alderson's. Uh, I think that's how you uh, use that word. Presser yesterday and asked a question, and I and I got a couple of text messages to that effect afterward. So my well, thank you, fellas. I appreciate. That looks that. good. I like that. You should. You should yeah, keep. Yeah. I mean, like it is a solid. I mean. This is one of the better things to come out of the pandemic. Well, it's hiding the bald spot, you know, where my hair fell out from the stress. But yeah, it's fine. 
<laughs> Otherwise, it's good. <laughs> All right, let's, <laughs> let's let's not contribute to Mark's stress. Uh, do you guys have any parting thoughts? Like, do you have any? Like, I guess you know, you both talked about how you grappled with this. Like, do you foresee yourselves continuing to do it? Is it something that you're gonna? evaluate on a year-to-year basis i mean how do you feel having gone through this process and looking forward to your voting careers i guess i don't know i mean i i i think it will be a year-to-year thing whether i continue to want to do this or not um and i i don't know if i will want to do it again um and maybe that's talking about it, like coming through it right now. Maybe this next year will just be so much better than this past one. There isn't so much time for navel gazing um, that, that, that that maybe I'll, I'll be in a better headspace next year when this all happens and I'll be up for it better. But uh, this year was tough for many, many reasons. And I mean, this is a very small, tiny inconsiderate part of that because again it's it didn't cost me anything i didn't get paid for it as andy pointed (laughs) out but it didn't cost me anything um so yeah i i will probably weigh it again um but who knows i I can't tell you what what's going to happen in 11 months yeah i mean i'm going to keep voting for it until they tell me not to i guess just because you know the way i see it it's Every time one of us writes a story, and, and granted, it's been quite some time for me, as Andy noted, but you know, you run the risk of like people saying, this sucks, right? Like, this is a bad point. This is a bad take. This is wrong. Um, you know, whatever, right? Like, it's, it is a part of the job to, to, you know, take that kind of heat. And yeah, with this Hall of Fame ballot in particular, for obvious reasons, uh, you know, Kurt Schilling, right? Like it's become a lightning rod and that's no fun, right? When it becomes like literally a referendum about one guy and his character and integrity, like that is not a lot of fun. Like the fun is like to talk baseball, right? The fun is like remembering what these guys made you feel when you watched them. That's the fun part. All right. Like, I think that's a big deal for me. I know that like you can't measure that. Right. Like there's no war statistic or whatever, like to, you know, gain or to, to present like what someone makes you feel when you watch them play this game. But I think that's a thing. I think it matters. And and but anyway, like uh, I'll keep voting for it so long as people care, you know, and so long as it's our, our you know, responsibility as, as, as writers and people in the Writers Association, I'll keep doing it because. You know, the criticism, you know, someone, again, who's advocated for transparency is just a part of it, you know? Like, it's just, it's a little more extreme because of Kurt Schilling, but I, I think that's temporary. At least I hope so. I, th- I hope that that's cyclical more than anything else. Well, uh, thank you, Trent, for coming on. We really do appreciate it. Uh, thank you guys both for being, uh, you know, so open about this and putting up with my bullshit. Um, the easiest reason that I don't vote is just I... I'm interested in other things. I'm too cool for school. That's why I don't vote. No, it's just it's, losers. No, it's not even that. It's that. No, it's not. It's not that. It's it's not that. It's that. It, it's that. I recognize. I think. Well, the simplest explanation is that, you know, when I went to the LA Times in 2016, they barred us from voting, and I found I didn't miss it. I didn't miss 
getting yelled at on the internet because I had, you know, Victor Martinez at number eight on my MVP ballot instead of number four where he belonged, you know, like, well, sorry, I don't, he didn't play defense. Um, you know, I just found I didn't miss that and I didn't get much out of it. Um, and then when I've come to the athletic, I just have kind of transferred that policy over and, you know, I haven't, I haven't missed it. And as you guys point out, like this takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of bandwidth, you know, it takes a lot of energy to get right. I just choose to expend that energy elsewhere. That's all. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I think that's valid. And I've thought about like how, like you bring that up. I thought about how freeing that would be. Yeah. How freeing it would be not to like, why is the MVP ballot? 10? <laughs> right. Right. Like, <laughs> I spend five times the amount on like numbers seven through 10 <clears throat> That I do one through three. Well, on the MVP ballot, I'll just say it, and this is probably going to piss people off that vote for this, but I've always wondered, right? Like when you're on a beat, right? Your job is literally to know everything there is to know about the one team of thirty that you cover. Okay, like you, you when you I cover agree. the Reds, you cover the Reds, and you cover the Dodgers, you cover the Dodgers. When you cover the Mets, you cover the Mets. It's so I always found it odd then. That I'm supposed to evaluate what Nolan Arenado is doing in Colorado, like I cover the Mets, or uh, when I was covering the Yankees, I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to tell you what you know how how much did Chapman contribute to the A? Like I don't you know like I can try to find out. I'll talk to people, but am I going to have a better view on that than like someone who watches you know Matt Chapman play every day? No, I'm not. As a beat writer, I'm not. You know. I 100% agree. Like, and then this year was even tougher. There should have been three instead of yeah. two. I mean, like, this year was like a bunch instead of leagues. Of two yeah. leagues. There should have been an East MVP, Cy Young, et cetera, central mm-hmm. and West. Because I literally, I don't think I watched a game that didn't involve a central team until the playoffs. Yeah. Like that's, so, I mean, that was like, you know, it, definitely the um exaggerated version right of what it is in a normal year where if you're on a beat you're really locked in on one club and it's hard to see outside of that if you're trying to you know stay locked in on one club so it's tough it's weird i've always thought that and it was like uncomfortable actually to be voting on that because of it but now you're a national guy both of you guys are so you're more important and better than us local guys wow wow you have to take it there um, I've learned that today, the last couple of days. I covered the 2010 Yang or Mets. You can't compete with that. Wasn't DJ Carrasco on that team? Anyway. No, that was the 2011 oh, and 2012 Mets. Hey, thank you. I'll put the 2016 Reds up against them. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, we will be back as the winter goes along. Go to theathletic.com slash beyond the scrum, and you can join the Athletic for just $3.99 per month. Have a good one.